0: So let's get into it. What the psychological literature can tell us about QAnon. I personally am not a research psychologist, but I could read research psychology papers and tell you what they say. Sure. And so um, so I'm going to share like three papers uh, with you today. Before I do, I, I, w- I wanted to emphasize something important is that conspiracy theorizing is sort of like a, a normal thing that has always happened you know throughout every civilization in history it's, yeah, it's not great but it's just a normal thing like um the, the old phrase uh, Nero fiddled while Rome burned apparently this derives from a devastating fire that ravaged uh Rome in July of 64 AD and um in the aftermath, a popular conspiracy theory among the Romans was that Nero hired goons to start the fire or even prevent people from putting out the fire. Was Nero Jewish? I don't know. So it's a a really, really normal thing. But, you know, why does it happen? So there are lots and lots of reasons. It's not a simple thing, but you can categorize the many motivations for why people believe in conspiracy theories. And in order to do that, I'm going to turn to a 2017 research paper titled The Psychology of Conspiracy Theories by uh, Karen M. Douglas, Robbie M. Sutton, and Alexandra Chikotka, which I'm probably pronouncing wrong. So sorry. They uh, looked at uh, dozens of papers from current uh, literature on uh, the psychological factors that appear to drive conspiracy belief. And from that, they grouped motivations for believing conspiracy theories into three categories. There are epistemic motives, existential motives, and social motives. So the first one is epistemic motives for believing in conspiracy theories. This means that people believe in conspiracy theories because they explain things in a way that allows them to preserve their beliefs in the face of uncertainty and contradiction. Mm. And of course, yeah, I I think we see this a lot in the QAnon community. Um, When Matt uh, Christman was on the pod, he observed that QAnon may be a way for QAnon believers to bridge the gap between what they thought Trump was going to do in office and what he's actually doing. Yeah. And so uh, the second motivation is existential. Conspiracy theories allow people who believe them to feel safe and secure in otherwise hostile and dangerous world. You know, I I think we kind of see this sometimes in QAnon, especially when they go on about like trusting the plan and hold out hope that, you know, the world may be horrible, but the great awakening will come and everything will be fine again. Yeah. And finally, there are social motives. People may desire to belong and maintain a positive image of the self and the in-group. Scholars have suggested that conspiracy theories valorize the self and the in-group by blaming others for negative outcomes. So this the conspiracy theories are for losers explanation. So you know maybe when a person isn't as successful as they think they ought to be, uh, they can use conspiracy theories as a way to explain that lack of success without you know blaming themselves. Yeah. So, so, so there. So these are sort of the the motivations why people believe in conspiracy theories, but. It doesn't really fully explain, like, why people believe in conspiracy theories, because, you know, everyone has these motivations. They all want to look good, and they want to ma- maintain their beliefs, and they all want to feel safe. But not everyone turns to conspiracy theories mm. in order to do that. That's because some people are just more conspiratorial than others. Conspiracism is a personality trait. Mm. And there's one really interesting paper that demonstrated this. It was actually pretty significant. It was probably one of the most cited papers in the field. And there were actually two studies in this paper. And I'm going to perform an experiment from one of these studies on Jake to see if we can learn anything about the dark recesses of Jake's conspiratorial mind. I have no idea what they're about to do, uh, but I will say that it, without question, I'm going to fail. Right, well... <laughs>
1: we know that these like satanic abuse and blood libel and demonic possession legends are cyclical and we know that they they show up consistently in culture at certain periods of times to certain kinds of people and we know how they spread so if we can if we can communicate correctly using the internet as a repository of education for the future you know, and have all these historical examples and have all these citations, I think that we could eventually diminish it to the point where people regard it for what it is, which Mm. is no more real than Hercules or, you know, any of these other, you know, myths that we know. No one, no, I mean, there are probably, but no one is like worshipping Poseidon at home. Nobody is, you know, so maybe at a certain point people will be like, okay, well, we don't believe in that anymore. They all switch to worshipping
0: Aquaman. Yeah. yeah.
1: I wouldn't kick Jason Momoa out of bed. That's so. what I'm saying.
0: If he had a sex if you had a sex cult, you'd be open Let's to the hear what he has to say <laughs> So one of the things we've been thinking about recently is uh deprogramming. People often ask Travis if there's anything that can be done to bring people back to reality. Do you know anything about healing from cult-like thinking?
1: Yeah. So I get asked a lot because I used to like spend hours talking to people about Pizzagate and like trying to ask them questions and stuff online. Um, and the reason that I do that, um, is because I don't know if you've ever seen this, there's a documentary called, um, deprogrammed and it's, uh, it's about a famous deprogrammer named Ted Patrick, who used to be the guy that you would call if your like kid got abducted by the Moonies
0: Mm.
1: (laughs) or whatever. Um, and uh, you know, his whole thing was, Uh, You know, you kidnap the person and you get, you know, you put them in a room and you ask them all these questions or whatever. I don't believe in the kidnapping and forcing people to stay up all night stuff. So I don't want to (laughs) get this twisted, but I see value in the very basic thing that he did. And he never said that this was miraculous or anything else. All he did is a very, you know, common psychological tool, which is he asked these people questions where they would have to think for themselves, or they would have to argue against their programming because of what they knew to be true. So if you ask people questions that their beliefs don't have answers for, that can be enough to sow a seed of doubt that it grows. So right. instead of saying to somebody, because we know like there's, there were all of those articles that came out in 2016 about, oh, if you yell at somebody about their beliefs, they just double down and you know you're it's, you're in a no win situation okay fine but if you ask somebody okay why do you think someone would build a basement in a conspicuous place for the sole purpose of murdering children or if you say okay but where are all the bodies of all these kids or where's the missing persons report where is the person who's going to go on tv and say my child was abducted by you know John Podesta or whatever, yeah. where is the, where are the people who, you know, you, you know, so if you ask questions like that, they don't ever really have answers for right. it and so change the subject and, you know, but if you make them uncomfortable enough that they sort of walk away with a little bit of a, you know, a little bit shaken, a little bit like, what the, you know, they feel uneasy. I think that you've done your job and I think that eventually people can get talked out of this. And we've seen, I mean, you guys have talked on your show about people who, you know, um, there was the woman who, when she saw the Bible verses in the Q drop, she was like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. And so there's so there, there are those out points for everyone. Yeah. You know, and the only reason why it doesn't happen sooner or more frequently in things like Scientology is because there's the physical control. But the thing right. about... Qanon is that you can just log, like I said before, you can just log off and go about your daily life. You can just delete your account on vote. You can just do whatever. So there is a way out for these people, and I think, like you know, for some people, it's going to be seeing all the anti-Semitism. For some people, it's going to be, you know, um, it's going to be, you know, as soon as they target somebody that that person likes, you know, then it's like, oh shit. That's why that's
0: why many people uh, deprogrammed uh, when they realized that they were targeting John Podesta, the most likable man on the planet. (laughs) Not him.
1: (laughs) But, you know, like this is, you know, um, you know, you saw this in the reverse sort of with the Me Too uh, movement is that as soon as it came out that somebody who was, you know, a likable comedian had a problematic past. Then all of a sudden you saw these people like throwing up their arms like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like I was with you for Harvey Weinstein. I was with you for Bill Cosby, but this guy, I'm not so sure. Yeah. I think that is just a part of a natural psychological phenomenon. So I think that the reverse is also true. I think you can say, look, now they're targeting this person that has nothing to do with any of these things or, or, you know, (laughs) how, like how many people do you think have to be involved in this? Like one of the things that was a good deprogramming tool for people who believed in loose change, for instance, was when popular science went and did their debunk where they said, you know, all of these technical things, but then they had, you know, two paragraphs where they said also like we calculated the number of people that would have to be involved in this conspiracy and then amount of money to pay them off. If it was, let's say a hundred (laughs) thousand dollars. would be this much money that much money has to you know shows up somewhere on a budget or right. you know the, you know you can't threaten all of these people to end their lives because somebody will go to the press yeah um you know so and i think those are the kinds of things that people can sort of wrap their heads around like yeah. oh yeah like you know i've seen enough mob movies to know that you can't like have too many people involved in a plot or it falls apart mm-hmm. yeah okay i get right. it and that's the thing like the, QAnon is the meta conspiracy to end all conspiracies so the amount of people that have to have been involved in it just like it's
0: yeah, huge <laughs> that was a sample of our premium episode to hear all of our premium content and help our podcast become sustainable, you can go to patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous and for $5 become a bona fide subscriber. We refuse advertising and want to remain editorially independent. Thank you for helping us with that. My friends, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I shall remember this moment until my dying day.